Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Cyber Insanity, our Goliath Cybersecurity podcast to help explain things in the security, in the cybersecurity space. And uh, as promised, we always like to bring relevant information to you. So I am your host, Andrew Bercuda. And I'm Angelo Longo, the co host. And we welcome today Justin Hatcher. From Rickson Technology, welcome, uh, welcome uh, to our our show, Justin. And and uh, there's some excitement here. There's some excitement. Let me let me share the excitement with our podcast listeners. There has been a a a big uh, partnership that between Goliath Cybersecurity and Rickson Technologies. And Rickson Technologies, uh, we will explain why we're so excited to bring Justin in at this time. Um, so. Uh, Rickson Technology has something called tokenization, and uh, this is, I think, fundamentally different than encryption, and we'll get into why and why it's important, but but one of the things that uh, we always like to do is first understand who our guest is and why we invited him. Uh, so why did we invite this guy? Why? Because he has a cool <laughs> baseball cap? I don't know, because yeah. he smiles nice, he looks good on a podcast. That's, That's why. Um <laughs> So, so Justin, let's take a little bit of a of a of a pause here and just explain who you are, um, how you got to Rickson, what what you did uh, to to get you there. Sure, sure. Well, again, good morning. Um, I'm glad to be here. Uh, so, I guess the the history of Justin, uh, you know, the the technology career starts about 20 years ago. Um, solving uh, all kinds of problems. That's that's who I am. I've always been a builder, and um, you know, just kind of a, a somebody who likes to to solve the really challenging problems. And then about, uh, I guess, you know, so that's that's fast forwarding through all kinds of industries, and in including fintech and oil and gas and healthcare and um, uh, energy and food and beverage and just entertainment all over the map. And through that first uh, 10 years of, of looking at that, seeing like very, very repetitive security related and data related problems. And so the last really 10 years of my career, still in technology has been focused around um, solving these, uh, again, repetitive problems that, that, that exist across all industries. And um, then I guess, uh, let's see about uh, eight years ago, uh, co-founder and I um, developed Rickson and 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 I uh, solutioned and, and developed patents around the process that we'll be talking about today. Um, and so then applying what what Rickson has developed and, and implemented um, into into companies today, solving again credit card PII um, uh, PE uh, EPHI problems. Awesome. So you've been busy. You've been, been yeah. you've been in the thick of things, um, which yeah. kind of brings us to um, kind of brings us to today, uh, our podcast. I mean, in, in our podcast, we listed it as ransomware, right? Why is why did I talk with Angela and go, you know, what what should we encapsulate this under is is ransomware is a good use case. Let's just say it's a good use case for something that's very relevant to us today. Angelo, so when when we talk about ransomware what are we for our, for our, for our listeners what are we talking about with ransomware that that is of of particular impact or or you know what current methods are are employed and why aren't working 
Well, for people who don't know what ransomware is, ransomware is an attack on your data, your processes, your function to operate. And what it is, is they utilize technologies to encrypt your data. Now, their use of that could be to just stop your operations, or their use of that could be to exfiltrate data or or something in between. In the end, they're most likely doing it for monetary purposes. But there are some, you know, some people who do it for altruistic or non-altruistic purposes. The reality behind it is the best way to stop it is, one, make sure your safeguards are up, two, educate your employees, and three, always make sure there's a backup. But what happens if that data is exfiltrated? They're encrypting it. It's not encrypted. If it's not encrypted on your part, that's number one. They're they're encrypting. They're bringing data that's not encrypted. Number two, what happens to that data once it gets out of your organization? Well, the cat's out of the bag at that point. Um, so what happens is you need to make sure that you have some services in place to help you protect that. And so just because you backed it up doesn't mean the data isn't lost from the point of view of it being exposed. That's something that everybody needs to understand. Just because you can operate doesn't mean you'll be operating for long because the simple fact is you just gave everybody's data away. Yeah. Not a great place. Yeah. And, and, and one thing we know about cyber um, bad actors is if they find something that worked the first time, they're bound to come back another time and, and, and get a second helping. It's almost like the buffet bar is open. Let's go again until they figure out and learn their lesson. And worse, what we've seen is, um, in certain cases, they'll, they'll inform the federal uh, regulatory body and say, oh, by the way, they're not complying by their stuff because we have their data. Um, that's pretty yeah. audacious and bold. And and um, I think um, that's really throwing down a gauntlet. Um, so with ransomware, though, you've mentioned encryption. And this is where I, I turned to Justin and going, we're not really talking about encryption per se with tokenization, are we? That's something different. That's a different animal. Can you kind of explain what tokenization is and why is it fundamentally different from an encryption? That was my question, Jerky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let me help you. I think I can help. Um, <laughs> but I want to know now. <laughs> sorry, Angelo. <laughs> So I would, I mean, so both encryption and tokenization, first and foremost, are both ways to protect data. They're both ciphering mechanisms. um, So they're both under that same umbrella. Um, There's several key differences, but I'll start with, um, I'll start with that, that encryption is a technology-based solution. It's, it's, it protects data at a very specific point in time. Um, whether that's, you know, we trust TLS to go from my browser to, to the internet. Um, we, we encrypt the database at a specific technology. If you're using uh, MySQL, you'll, you'll encrypt your data at rest. You, you, you encrypt all of these places at single points in time, which really kind of make a, a Swiss cheese of, of a technology environment where there's holes where maybe encryption wasn't done. Mm-hmm. or wasn't uh, wasn't done well or hasn't been updated, all of these different places. So encryption is really, again, that point in time uh, way to protect data. And it's tried and true in, in that regard. Kind of aligns with, 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 te- with um, specific technologies. Um, tokenization, on the other hand, is more of a holistic approach. This is end-to-end in my environment. Um, tokens are going to be uh, what's transmitted, what's stored, 
uh, what's used in processing. Um, and that way, an organization, um, in that regard, an organization is secure from end to end, not worried about all the all the the tick tick ticks or all the points that it has to use encryption to make those individual points safe. Hmm. So, if 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 I I use this analogy and you seem to somebody it seemed to like it, it you know when I want pure water coming out, you know, I want to drink some pure water, right? Tokenization is a little different. If the if the water is the data, if you will, encryption is kind of the copper pipe, right? We're protecting, we're wrapping the data around it, but it doesn't necessarily encrypt the data unless there's a mechanism to do so, to filter that water, to make sure that it's done. That's really tokenization. So if I break, if I break the copper pipe, somehow cut it manipulate it tap into it or whatever yeah i can't guarantee that the water is pure from the source or or is the same from the source right um we got to boil the water we got to do something with the water right uh, whereas if i have data encryption the really the filter it it's filtered it's filtered through and through right Right. So in that same same analogy, I mean, if you had, you know, a, a um, system of pipes and and processes that, that, that your, your filtered water is getting to your to your tap or to your cup, um, there's all kinds of places that could be spliced in and and, uh, you know, contaminating that that uh, water. And tokenization is different in that model in that it is it is something that's placed at the very beginning of that process that. Uh, screens and transforms said water to the process and then fit it in at the very end of your tap where you're putting into your cup such that you know that no matter what happens to that water throughout that process um, what you're going to be getting out is the same thing as what's what started in the at the very beginning yeah and where i think that analogy fails is <laughs> yeah right that it, it does fail to a degree that um in the analogy, we're still assuming that the water goes through a transport mechanism right. that that is keeping the integrity. Where where tokenization really it from end to end it's tokenized until the final use form that you need it. Exactly. In which yeah. case, in in which case, throughout the transport, throughout the the cloud, for wherever it may reside or be stored, it's tokenized. That's right. So, so here's a question to Angelo from from because you mentioned uh, Justin mentioned the Swiss cheese approach. Right. And auditors look for the holes in the cheese. Right. right. And they're going to look for where did your encryption break down? Where did you not encrypt? Where did you uh, absorb the risk? So if if I was looking at this, they looked at it. They look at it from a layered approach. OK. Um, you have to show the control and its activity. And show that 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 activity actually produces something that protects the data in question. So the reality is, when we look at this, there are some auditors who will come in and say there was no encryption, fail. There's some auditors who come in and say tokenization is not encryption, fail. I'm sorry, <laughs> but the reality is, you end up spending time with each auditor and yeah. saying, okay, this I know this is tokenization. And I know we don't have encryption on this particular data set, but the tokenization in question here is really 
obfuscating all data that's that's in in any real format so in what in what way could this be you know could this be reversed especially if i choose to not have the ability to reverse it especially if i choose to say no i don't want to you know anonymize i want to anonymize this thing justin does your product anonymize it is yeah yeah so so um our customers have, have the option to configure their tokens however they want and the security policies around those tokens. Um, but certainly certain, one of them is, is unreversible, you know, unreversibility or, or completely anonymous to, to solve for those types of use cases. Actually, talk, talk to me about that for a second. If I wanted to do generate a report, and this is just me spitballing here from yeah. pain, um, I wanted to generate a report. And on that report, I wanted anonymized data in the format that you know it carries on, cost on, but maybe in the backend infrastructure, I wanted to, to remain in some type of uh, convertible format. Is that yeah. possible? Absolutely, yeah. So I mean, in in that in that really kind of abstract, you're you're saying that that whenever this report is run, um, it can't can't see um, full text information um, of of the tokens that are stored or that is going to be reported on. That'd be awesome. You know, the, yeah. the reality is a lot of data gets exfiltrated through seemingly meaningless reports. That- so, so absolutely. I mean, humans have, I mean, obviously, like, especially in this age of, like, microservices and multidimensional uh, departments and roles, um, you know, all the cross-sections of, of everything that we have today, Having having a single system, even like Microsoft AD, that tries to to say you know what somebody's roles and access are, that's not the reality in any technology environment. I mean, people uh, different applications have their own set of users, own set of roles. It's a it's a, uh, a nearly impossible job to keep track of what somebody has access to, what they can see, and that that Swiss cheese analogy. There's there's so many holes in in everybody's environment today. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So looking at this, you know, I, I I see some possibilities for some some of my customers. Even you know, looking at looking at some of these 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 points. I'm a, I'm an old traditionalist. I've used I've done and implemented tokenization products in the past, and you know, looking at that, I mean, you know, if you were going to differentiate yourself, throw it out there. How would you differentiate your product from the traditional old piece that that was that some of us may have done in the past? Some hard-headed individuals have a hard time getting over what was done in the past. Talk to me about what you guys did. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I'm familiar with with this as well. There's, if if you were to search tokenization, there's hundreds of companies that that provide provide this functionality on the surface. Um, so, tokenization is is a substitution at, at its root. It's just a substitution of values. Um, most companies, ninety five percent of them out there, are um, Providing providing uh, what it's called a vault, and this is you're going to take your information, you're going to ship it off to them. They're going to promise you it's safe, and whenever you need to read that information, you're going to say, hey, "Give me, give me my, here's my token, give me my my raw data back." Um, Pause right there. That's yeah. similar to what people do with with those VPNs. Right. I'm just going to connect to whatever VPN, and I hope it's safe on the other end. They say they it's don't safe. have any clue. <laughs> It's risk transference is what yes. it is. It's saying that I'm going to trust uh, since since I don't trust myself to keep it safe. I'm going to trust somebody else, and you know maybe manage with contracts and other things, but hope that they don't 
hope that they don't get attacked or get ransomware or all these other things. Um, the key differentiating thing with our platform and Rickson is that we're vaultless. We're not saying that you need to trust us with your information. It's a true mit uh, risk mitigation uh, approach where we bifurcate uh, the data persistence, which is that our customers are going to store their information like they're doing today. And we're going to do the ciphering um, so that there is no single point of, of uh, attack or breach where there is, where your data is is right to be to be stolen. It's it's really a collaborative effort effort um, to really, um, like I said, mitigate true risk. So really, your data is staying where you want it. Yeah. You don't have to offload it offshore or whatever to somebody else's data center. Exactly. Yeah. So again, if our customers uh, were were to get hit with ransomware and they, their their information was extorted, um, it's all tokens. If again, Rixon on the other side was was hit with the same type of thing, we don't have your information. So really, those data breaches are now like exponentially more harder to to um, are more difficult to to achieve having uh, having uh, uh, consent really split across multiple companies. Well, that's going to be important for um, regulatory uh, compliance, and it removes the complexity of it because you're not including a third party. Another, another VPN tube or some type of transport out to another facility, right? Nice. I mean, you're looking at uh, let's pick on either GDPR or, or or CMMC. You're not transporting your data outside your four walls. That's right. You're yeah. just you're just tokenizing it so that in my four walls or anywhere that I move it, uh, it's already tokenized. Sands a vast uh, yeah. a, 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 a vault uh, uh, that you don't need a third party to either un unencrypt it or excuse me untokenize it and then and then uh, send it back to you. That's right. Yeah. Well, we know what when Angela says about complexity. Yeah. <laughs> so it's my time. No, 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 far, far, far be it from that. I mean, so, so really there's some cost benefit to this, I would imagine by not putting this much infrastructure in there too. I mean, you're recouping a lot of that cost just to stand it up, but how about, how about something like data loss prevention, right? Where, where companies, let's say a legal firm or, or a medical firm that has to deal with HIPAA. Um, they're transporting a lot of data back and forth. They are, uh, they need access to that. Um, traditionally I've seen DLP play in those areas where, um, there's a big ramp up to, to getting into it. Like categorization, for example, I need to know what it is. I have to put a value to it, a category to it and a priority in which to, uh, start putting in, in that type of of technology what's the ramp up what's a realistic ramp up to to tokenization right um it's it's less than that that traditional approach where you you do have to categorize and and know all of your data the the less part is uh again if we have this complex end-to-end -end technology environment in the, the traditional approach, again, you have to know where all of your data is in all of that environment. 
really where uh, an implementation of, of Rixon looks like is where does data come into my environment and where does it leave my environment? So it's a significantly less um, less of a uh, unknown or, or, or places to discover where that is um, than having to know where it is and all in, in inside of a complete technology uh, like set environment. Interesting. So, so I guess you, yeah, yes, Andrew, like, like yeah. realistic time frame. Yeah, we've had we've had customers uh, uh, enroll and and begin to see value in forty eight hours, um, up to up to two months. Oh, okay. Okay, that's throwing down because in DLP, and Angelo and I were in companies that had offered DLP products. I mean, our um, ramp up time for a DLP project in a rather large company or, or medium sized company was okay, well, you're going to have consulting hours where you're going to have to go through this, and there's meeting upon meeting to categorize. Yeah. I don't know if this is important, I don't know how important it is. We're going to have another meeting and a sub meeting to, to, to that because um, this is painful. Categorization is painful. Um, it's like taking inventory of everything that you have that you didn't know you had. It's ah, like, yeah. and, and to, to our podcast listeners, it's like going into your garage that is full of stuff and saying, put a price tag uh, for every on every item in your garage that we're going to have a garage sale on. Oh, and by the way, it's this Saturday. So get, get busy. You have to pull everything out. You have to look at it. You have to examine this stuff and say, one, do I want it? Two, how long do I want it? like my retention period. And then how important is this that I have to put a price tag on it? Yeah. And, uh, and so I've been a part of these too, Andrew. And like, the, you know, you're, you you spend six, seven, 12 months trying to categorize this and you have, you have your board asking, why am I spending all this money? Where's the output? We haven't even got past the You haven't realized anything yeah. yet. You haven't, you haven't right. even, you haven't even encrypted any of your data yet in a DLP environment because you're still trying to figure out categorization, but yet your your gap of protection has has not been bridged. Right, you're right. still exposed until you figure out what you want to protect. Let yeah. me ask a question: If if we as a we had a customer who had data sitting someplace, and we had something like a DLP product that could recognize it, mm -hmm. could that DLP product call your product and apply tokenization? Yep. Absolutely. So I find content X and I say, call Rickson API. I'm assuming API, correct? That's right. And, and it, it does its thing and then applies it. And then suddenly now we're at a point of now the data has been obfuscated, has been tokenized, has been changed in, in, in the ways that are the more fancy tokenization. I think I have to come up with a new name. Tokenization just seems so old. Fancy yeah. tokenization is it. Andrew, make that happen. Yeah. yeah. So that that time that time to value is is the critical metric today. Is yeah. You know, I, I need I need help today. I'm bleeding or the ransomware, whatever it is. Um, I don't want to spend 12 months trying to figure this stuff out. I it's so many of those those environments again, Andrew, like you were saying, like I've gone into, and it's they have this some system that you know all the developers left 30 years ago. We don't know anything about it. And that discovery process of trying to secure something that nobody knows anything about is extremely painful and costly. 
not practical. It needs to be secure, but it's not practical to try to unpack and unravel something of that uh, that complexity. That's a good point. That's that's really going back in. Okay, I'm going to date myself. Per- Professor Peabody's Wayback Machine, right? For those of us yeah. who remember this, this is going back in in time to try to figure out what you've done, what it was that you've done, and then now try to to categorize it, wrap it, and then and then protect it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I I like Angelo's hypothetical here with being able to identify it kind of on the fly mm-hmm. and saying, hey, protect that before it goes out the door. Yeah. That makes sense. That to me seems sustainable and and I'll still retain the hairs on my head at the end of the day. But while I find it, I can protect it because I've tokenized it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, good and news, I, case, Angelo. And that tokenization, again, I'll come back to it's It's format preserving, which means that you don't have to go back and make significant modifications to you know, the underlying data store or anything like that. It's the, the data that the, the intrinsic value, like if it's a, a number um, or a, a binary string or, or all of the intrinsic nature of all of that is preserved. So it still fits. It's very easy to implement. Versus like an encryption where you're you're having to to make to make pretty significant modifications. So can we can we pick on that for a second? Why should uh why should that matter to me? I think so. So in in that same vein, I, th- I think the uh, the cost to achieve value is is significant. Um, so whenever if if we're talking about a legacy application um, okay. that that nobody's uh, modified, it's Running on an AS four hundred, something something uh, you know, kind of old. Uh, it's <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's um. I know people still use AS four hundred, so I'm and, sorry. So do I. As, as a core infrastructure, I'm so again, <laughs> and and that's that's my point. Like it, trying to go through and um, make something like that secure when yeah. it's when it's built on technology that is not secure but you have to secure it because it's part of your business um it is it's incredibly costly um you don't want to go through and say okay now i want you know every step in this uh technology or in this process to use encryption to and then manage those keys and it's just a long long process versus tokenization that can say i'm going to change the data before it goes into this thing when it comes out of the black box i'm going to change it back Everything inside of that black box I know is secure now because it does not have data. So when we talk about protecting the format of it, so let's take a social security number, right? Set of numbers, dash, set of numbers, dash, set of numbers. What I'm hearing from you when you preserve that means on my AS400, I don't have to rewrite the code to accommodate for a string value that's going to be replacing number dash number dash number. I can keep it in the same syntax. Yeah. Not change my field number count. Right. Still preserving that formatting. So I don't have to change any code. I don't have to pay any developers to do that, to revamp this. That's right. But the data itself is still scrambled where I can't steal it, read it in its raw natural form. That's right. Yeah. 
Okay, so there's some hidden value there by doing that, which I think is often overlooked because if you're a developer, well, you're if you're a developer, you're not going to be getting more dollars to to change that. But from a from a from a company who has those AS four hundreds or those those boxes that are very tight on space and they like to have their data crunched in such a such a format in a rigid format, um, preserving that means everything. Because now I'm not spending millions of development dollars revamping it just to accommodate scrambling my data to to be able to to thwart the bad guy. Those those development dollars are really really you know really kind of passionate about this equation that that as as a company I have to implement some some level of security whether that's required by regulation or not and yeah. and how how many development dollars should I spend to achieve a you know a checkbox um and it's tokenization uh, really again what I, at the at the very beginning of this conversation was was is a really holistic approach, an end-to-end uh, environment uh, way to secure data across across all these technology things. And there's always going to be new regulations. So looking at that again, the AS400 or or uh, you know a specific microservice more more closely related, you know today, um, instead of trying to secure each one of these individually, which again is is a lot of development dollars. Um, the, the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal is like, I want my organization and technology to be safe so I can operate business. The, the goal is not, I need microservice ABC to be safe. The goal is I need data across my organization to be safe so that I can do what I'm best at. So data is the new commodity. And if you preserve that data, you're, you're taking the commodity away from the threat actor that can, that can potentially exploit it and get be it ransomware or or getting the data itself to be able to exploit or or go after my user base. That's right. I think one of the one of the hidden benefits to this, and and you said whether it's regulatory or not, one of the things that we're seeing a lot today is partnerships with other companies. Usually, upstream large companies are now mandating more stringent guidelines on protecting the data, right? Not being that weak link in their chain. Um, does this satisfy it? And and has and and has this proven to them? Because to Angelo's question about auditors that they're like, oh, if you're not encrypted, I can't give you the checkbox. There's a little bit of education here that has to occur to explain, and I, I think maybe this is the 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 stigma of this is to explain tokenization sufficiently to say it's a valid form of protecting data. How can it be its own checkbox <laughs> as, as an either or, or both encryption and tokenization for a defense in depth type of discussion? We, we go... Two two directions that that Rick Sum has taken there or is currently taking. Um, one is is working with those kind of governing bodies to educate what tokenization is, include that in part of their uh, audits or their their uh, their governing regular regulatory uh, regulatory language. Because um, that's that's still much of a new thing. I mean, even like um, well, PCI DSS is is has has worked verbiage around uh, tokenization. 
Um, HIPAA does not. Um, so so there's there's like there's there's areas of industry that have not caught up to that same language and same uh, uh, capabilities that that technology provides. So number one, working with those to to educate and 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 uh, create that uh, that new language. Um, number two, um, Rickson has already plowed this road with with with, uh, with several auditing uh, firms. Um, so we've already done that legwork of education. We've proven that we've brought them in. They've they understand that uh, what is data, where is data, mm -hmm. um, and been able to compress those uh, that scope of their audit um, to a very very in in some cases uh, a zero. Uh, there there is no data in this organization. And therefore, uh, you know, the audit is is completed in a week or two. Um, versus, again, going back to to what Angelo was saying, like you get an auditor in there, and you have to prove every hop that that data might transition to, every person, uh, process, technology stack, uh, persistence, transit, all of those things that uh, you have to prove that you're doing a mitigating, uh, uh, that you're securing, or or have a mitigating control. Um, is is a vast difference today when you can say I don't have information between these points. Um, so it's not not something that needs to be scoped. Yeah, Angelo, any you know, what if this if this would be a a an arrow in your quiver? Mm -hmm. I mean, this would be huge. Yeah, in a lot of cases, customers whom have issues with say you know they don't really have our back controls mobile based access controls right controls that states the fact that you as a person do or do not need access to something to do your job or need to know is another way to to throw it out or or you know the reality is you, there's a number of different names to put to wrap around this but the issue at hand is you don't want to expose data you don't need to expose and go from there and a lot of times we end up exposing more for the virtue of operations because one we don't understand the ramifications of the exposure and two it, it the change to the operations is more than they want to you know they want to to consume so what happens is you end up in this situation where you're kind of stuck do i or don't i and and this, you spend more time thinking about that than you do anything um in the case of this this is someplace where you know where we, you know, I could see customers having this as, a, as an interesting idea. Actually, let me ask a question. Social security numbers is one place, but, um, and you tell me, is, tell me this roadmap or tell me this is something you can do right now. Um, you have a field, it has a credit card piece in there, 16 digits. You take that, you take that. Can you, like, a lot of times they want to do verification of, uh, of the last four or six digits of that. Can you just tokenize that first part? Is that is that something that can be done? Absolutely, yeah. So, so again, in the case of credit card numbers, um, uh, uh, this applies to all of the tokens. You can you can assign uh, again with those security policies how much data is preserved or exposed within you know within a, a string. Um, so, for for credit card numbers, a very common use case is to keep the first six, keep the last four, tokenize yeah. everything in the middle, um, so that that data is still usable. Um, for uh, for operations, um, you can still have a customer service department understand it's a visa and this is the last quarter that they paid on without actually exposing um, the 
the real credit card numbers themselves. Um, That's a really cool thing. That is. (laughs) Gonna say the the other interesting thing is like if you want to, I you know, if you want characteristics of this token to be able to identify if it's a token or not, do you want that credit card number to pass a lung tension? Um, So you want it to act and feel like a credit card number. Or do you want to make sure it never passes lunch check so you can know, you know, if you wanted to prove to an auditor or if you just wanted to know if somebody's actually being able to look at a credit card number? Because, again, they they all look like 16 digit numbers. Yeah. Um, you can you can tweak all of those things on what your format preserving tokens uh, look like. Yeah. This is uh, this is a very interesting methodology because. You know, in the end, in the end, you're anonymizing the data in that question in a, in a way. If you know, you could anonymize the middle of a credit card number, mm-hmm. and thus uh, cause that number to be invalid, and then and, you know, at least for that person, you know, it, you know, related to that person, you know, and such like that, thus allowing you to present it as you don't have the data. So I love I love that concept of not changing the format, not changing it, but just replacing the data in question with something that does not relate to the to the former. The the fantasy case, Angelo, is is uh, a customer tokenizes all of their credit card information, um, and all of this informa- information, all these credit card numbers, get stolen and taken somewhere else. Um, number one, you know that they're tokens. Um, that the data breach hasn't hasn't occurred, um, but an indirect. Uh, interesting case is now when they start trying to use these tokens, which look like credit card numbers, they're fingerprinting themselves and identifying who they are without actually losing any information. So now we can backtrack. Ooh. ooh. Right. <laughs> That's evil. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I lo- Oh, that is that slick. Yeah. You didn't tell me this before. This is interesting. <laughs> yeah, Nat. Now this is this has become the, the little, little evil. Yeah. Now you can go after. Now you can go after. Oh, this is this is really cool. Now you had to pet. Downstream, downstream, uh, interesting. You know, benefits that come from from tokenization, which again you don't get from encryption, because again in that same use case, somebody steals a whole bunch of encrypted cards. Number one, they're almost always use one key to encrypt them all. So mm-hmm. um, they spend some time to to decipher that that one key. Now they have all of your credit card information again. Uh, you have this data loss. You have the data exposure. You're apologizing to customers. Um, a whole bunch of you know bad things. Sure, but not not in this in, not in this context because arguably the data the data has been exfiltrated but it hasn't been breached because there's no way to untokenize it right um okay so this is a chicken or the egg in the in the last final thoughts here of so is that reportable i guess you'd still have to report it but it's not necessarily a breach well this becomes an ethical question now is this is this something that needs to be reported because it's exfiltrated, but it's not been breached? We're in an area that I don't know who to ask, Jensen or Angelo, on this one. It hasn't. Been this is this is weird. Ball. Jump ball. Hey. <laughs> because, because encryption has been like the the dominant means of saying something is you know quote unquote safe. Um, which which you know, and that's it's safe by by what standards by the. Uh, the how long it takes us to to crap 
uh, crack a key of a certain size um, by today's modern computers? What happens with uh, quantum computing when you, you enter into parallel processing? A whole bunch of things. So even the 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 notion of how safe encryption is 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 a bit of a question. But today, encryption is still classified as the data itself, and um, all of the regulatory uh, mechanisms for whenever data is is lost uh, does require uh, reporting to either either uh, government or, or constituents or, or users. Um, and this this area now that we're in with tokenization is a little bit undocumented on on what it is. I think it probably comes up to an ethical thing today, but I hope that that. Um, becomes more formalized and, and uh, you know, a, a formalized process for it. It may, it may be interesting. Be, and, and then reporting the, the fact that everything, so this, this kind of comes down to in the, in the government world, uh, the reporter don't report uh, that, that something did happen, uh, you know, kind of scenario. Um, almost like there needs to be a back channel reporting structure that doesn't include a 10Q or, or a 10, yeah. So, so just, just saying. Well, but. it's, it, it, you may, you know, you, you may report it, but then, but, but the outcome is benign. There's nothing, there's nothing of value. So you don't have to offer in the commercial space. You don't have to offer the two years of monitoring service for your clients. You can provide an, a letter of assurance that, Hey, breaches happen. It's breached. Uh, as far as something have been taken, but rest assured, the data has been tokenized, so there is no impact to your information. It still holds, um, even outside in 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 that form. Wow, yeah, it it becomes an ethical issue of of what re what is reported, how it should be reported, and and does it need to be reported? I guess I think we need a legal mind. Oh, I know where you, I was thinking that Rebecca, <clears throat> we're channeling Rebecca. This is going to be a Rebecca question. This is one of our cyber attorneys that we uh, partner with. And, and she's, uh, she's very good at, uh, at uh, spitballing these types of hypotheticals. I already know her answer though. Oh, okay. it depends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Rebecca, I just called you out. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, in in the in the final few minutes, I I did want to uh, once again thank uh, Justin for for joining with us uh, from Rickson and uh, Technologies and and explaining tokenization, something that I think is an exciting, uh, exciting exciting new arrow in our quiver to be able to bring to um, uh, through our partnership with with Rickson and and certainly if our podcast listeners want to know more about it. We have links on uh, Goliath's website. We can certainly talk to you at length and bring uh, bring some of our experts on to uh, to talk with you about this. But um, in in just the final thoughts of this, what a tremendous opportunity to do even more in protecting data where data lies, where data is, and not just putting a crunchy layer on this. Um, I think it's I think it's an interesting technology that finally is is able to solve a very big issue um, in just ransomware alone, but there are far more use cases. And Angelo, I, I you know, what are your final thoughts on this? You know, looking at this from my perspective, my lens, my mantra, um, 
this this adds a layer of simplicity to the conversation. This adds a layer of explainability to the conversation. Uh, in both ways, this gives me the opportunity to protect my customers in a better way and allow them to and 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 make it so that I don't have to wreck an environment in order to provide protection. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah. And and in that, you know, it goes along with what I think and how I think it, you know, and and I don't know. Is this my opportunity to say my thing? It is. <laughs> Final thought, wait before I, I say it. Justin, do you have a catchphrase? I don't have a catchphrase. Do I need a catchphrase right. now? Well, mm-hmm. it, it, if you when we bring you back on, you think of one. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There you go. All so, right. Angela, what's your catchphrase? All right. My catchphrase is: complexity is the enemy of security. If it's too complex to explain, you're probably not secure. So, okay. Okay. it should be easy, and it should be in, and you should be able to say, "Yes, that door is closed. Yes, it's locked. And yes." I have one key. That's mm-hmm. really kind of along the lines of there you go. reducing complexity. And Andrew? Mine is the best security device resides between our ears if we so choose to use it. So with that, thank you again, Justin. And uh, again, look at our website to get more information about uh, this exciting technology from Rickson Technologies on tokenization. And until next time, podcasters, we'll talk to you next time. Have a good day. Stay safe.